Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Matthew 8 is the story of Jesus calming a storm. What an appropriate morning for my message that I prepared some time ago on how to navigate storms. I mean, who would know? I guess God, right? And uh, I want to show how this storm made an impact on the disciples, so much so it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So in Matthew 8, verse 23, it says, Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was asleep. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We can't find any gas. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? You know, I was thinking about how to improve church attendance. We could hijack a tanker and give free gas to everybody on Sunday that comes. That ugly, dark thought just came to my mind. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this, that even the wind and waves obey him? Jesus never did a miracle to show off, and he never wasted one. And in every miracle, there's a lesson. So in this story, we find some principles on how to deal, how to navigate with a crisis, with a storm. Let me give you some different kinds of storms that come into all of our lives. First, situational storms. That's when circumstances seem to plot against you and everything seems to go wrong. <laughs> I came to church this morning and I've got a blown out tire. Joy to the world. Yeah, I want to encourage you today. Well, it seems like Murphy's Law is just as soon as we get one fire out, there's another fire. Ever notice that? It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. Just situational storms. Proverbs 1, verse 27. Sometimes calamity strikes like a storm. So everything seems to go wrong at once. That's situational storms. Secondly, there are relational storms. Those are storms caused when there's tension between people. When a relationship has been strained to the breaking point, parent and child, husband and wife, friends or business associates. David says in Psalms, I feel all alone and my enemies are ganging up against me and nobody's with me. And third, there are emotional storms. Those are often hidden inside of us. We've got a nice smile, but inside we're seething and boiling and we're in distress. I remember years ago there was a soap opera called Secret Storm. And boy, that's a good description for a lot of people. Many times there's a storm going on inside that doesn't show on the outside. Someone's paralyzed by fear, overcome with immense guilt, raging with anger, consumed with worry or jealousy. Those are just storms of life. But the Bible tells us there are three things about storms in life we need to know. Number one, they're inevitable. Storms are inevitable. I don't care how sweet, pure, nice, holy, and righteous you are. Storms are inevitable. 
And if you're not in a storm right now, you're just coming out or you're just going in. It's cyclical for everybody. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in this world, in this life, you're going to have trouble. That's a promise. That's a given. James 1, verse 2, when you face trials, not if, when. Nobody goes through life on easy street from cradle to the grave. Everybody goes through tough times. So they're inevitable. Secondly, storms are unpredictable. They come suddenly. It could be a phone call. It could be an email. You, never, you could show up to the office. You never know. They come suddenly and unexpectedly. Verse 24 says, without warning, a furious storm came up. You simply can't predict everything that'll happen to you. And it's amazing. People try astrology, palm reading, biorhythms, anything to see if today's going to be a good day or a bad day. But you can't predict these storms. Third, storms are impartial. They happen to bad people, good people, rich people, poor people. Don't you know in the flood zone, there are beautiful mansions underwater and there are shacks. The rich and the poor, the pagan and the hyper-charismatic believer, they're all underwater. They're all there in a storm. They're impartial. So it happens to all of us. Matthew 5, verse 45. God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Get an umbrella because you're going to get some rain. Being a Christian never exempts you from a storm. Don't think that because you have a tough time, it's, you're disobeying God. Now, that could be possible, but generally that's not true. The disciples got in this storm because they obeyed God. Jesus said, get in the boat. They got in the boat and sailed right into a storm. They were right in the center of God's will, but in the middle of a storm. So when you're going through a tough time, do not automatically assume, I must be out of the will of God because you might be exactly where God wants you to be. Storms are impartial. Secondly, God doesn't promise anybody a storm-free life. You know, this isn't heaven, folks, where everything's perfect, where God's will is perfectly done. People make choices. We're free will moral agents. People make mistakes. People do bad things. People get hurt. So that's why we're to always pray, thy will be done on earth like it is in heaven. There's no fuel shortage in heaven. There won't be any flood, disaster, or loss of life in heaven. There won't be any racism or bigotry in heaven. But we're not in heaven. So we pray to get a little heaven on earth. So if storms are inevitable, unpredictable, and impartial, the issue becomes, what is my response going to be when they come? Not if, when they come. And you can respond two ways in a storm. You can respond in fear or you can respond in faith. You know, when I face a storm, I can be filled with panic and fear. It says the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, these are veteran fishermen. They've been in many storms, but evidently this must have been the perfect storm and life-threatening, and they're terrified. They're scared to death. We're goners. We're going to die. So that shows the intensity of this storm. It was major. He says they panicked. They got uptight. They were afraid. Typical reaction when a storm hits. 
Or the alternative is being filled with peace. Verse 24, but Jesus was sleeping, sleeping in a storm. You talk about peace. He's tired. He's exhausted. He had a full day of preaching and teaching and ministering. He lays down in the back of a boat and goes to sleep. If you've ever wondered if Jesus can identify with your fatigue, that ought to take care of that. I mean, he's snoring away. He knows exactly what it means to be dead tired. Now, did Jesus know there's going to be a storm before he got the boys in the boat? Well, he's the son of God. Of course he did. But he says, guys, I'm going to crash for a while. I'm going to take a nap. And it was part of his plan to teach the boys a lesson and us about faith. Nothing ever surprises God. Surprises me, but doesn't surprise God. God, I'm going bankrupt. He knows it. God, the doctor said it's stage four cancer. I can't believe that. When did that happen? He doesn't say that. He knows that. He knew it before the diagnosis. Nothing ever surprises God. And it's interesting. One of the telltale signs that you're in a storm is people lose sleep. Yet Jesus is sound asleep. When people are in storms, they often lay awake, tossing, rehashing in their mind, trying to figure it out and worrying, what if, what if, what if? Stop that. Well, what if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow? You want to get really stupid? Well, what if nobody comes to church? What if nobody gives? Well, what if? What if they run out of gas and we can't get gas for a week anywhere by anybody? You see how silly this gets? But I've got a history with God that says I'm not going to operate my business, my life, or my church on what if. What if? That's unbelief. I have no history to not trust Him. And by the way, what if I don't get healed? You're going to die. You want to smoke that? All right. But heaven's not failure. Heaven's a win. I got to win either way. Get healed. I die. Doesn't matter. I'm with Jesus either way. I don't care. What are you, what are you talking about? We can't lose. Do you understand that? So get out of this. Well, what if, what if? I mean, people in 08, we weren't sure. Many of my friends that had multi-million dollar buildings, we had all just got loans and just closed when the economic collapse went down. We weren't sure we could keep the building and we just got in. Charitable giving went down 40%. Well, what if people don't come? Well, what if? I remember sitting across from the president of the mortgage agent that financed this building, and he was, they were all being affected. And I says, let me tell you something while you're worried about foreclosure or not making the payment on it. If the economy goes down, you're out of a job. I'm out of a building, but I'm not out of church. We just moved to a vacant building that nobody can afford and rent it and have money to burn. And he looked at me and never responded. I said, I'm not going to be out of a job. We just have to change location. But you see, I'm saying, I'm saying there's always a way of escape. So stop doing, stop living, stop worrying about your money. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if? Well, then become greedy and a hoarder and don't be charitable and don't give and hold back as though you could not trust God. Uh, that's, that's insanity to me. But it goes on to Christians all the time. You know what Americans spent on sleep aids last year? $32 billion. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. $32 billion. And Jesus goes to sleep anywhere. It's called peace of mind. So you can be in a panic or you can be in peace when you face a storm. I'm not denying the reality of the storm, but I've got confidence that God who began a good work will somehow, somehow finish it. Confidence, see? God, it's too big for me. I can't handle it, but you can. 
so I'm going to go to bed and leave it in your hands. That's a statement of faith instead of worrying. So how do you navigate a storm when you think you're going to sink? You do three things. Number one, you remember God's closeness. God's near you. He's with you. You are not alone. Verse 23, then Jesus got in the boat and his disciples followed him. How many of you know they had nothing to fear? The Son of God's in my boat. What am I worried about? Do you think God the Father was going to let that boat sink with Jesus, his son, in it? That by itself should have calmed them down. Jesus was there with them, experiencing the storm with them, and they're getting wedgies. <laughs> I'm just seeing if everybody understands what that is. All right. If you're going through a storm, the first lesson you've got to learn is God is always with you if you're a believer. There will be nothing I will face or you the rest of our life alone. Jesus is in my boat. He's, he's, he's in there. He's in my life and in my boat. And if you're a believer, he's in your boat too. God promises every believer, lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. So you might be lonely, but you're not alone. And you've got to calm yourself down to understand that. Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. What a promise. If your boat's rocking, don't worry. If you're a believer, Jesus is in your boat. So remember God's closeness. He's still with you. Secondly, relax in God's care. Our typical response in a crisis, in a storm, is to wonder, does God even care? Notice what the disciples said. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. The disciples said to him, Master, don't you care if we drown? Now, that's a common response to people emotionally upset in a crisis. Don't you care, God? Don't you care what's going on? And the answer is, of course he does. He sees what you're going through. He told Moses when he was commissioning him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt with these words, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cries, and I am come down to deliver them. So he knows exactly what's going on in your life, and he cares. And boy, this is the second lesson you got to learn if you're going to make it through a storm. God cares about what you're going through, the crisis. So you repeat that over and over in your mind. God cares about what I'm facing right now. How much does he care, Rick? Well, how about 7,000 promises in your Bible? Put that down and get you some of that. That tells me God cares. Listen to 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Never doubt that. The one thing the disciples did right when they got afraid was to take that fear to Jesus. They didn't start praying to Mary. They didn't chant. They didn't read the astrology section. They didn't call out to some saint. They took their fear straight to Jesus because he's the only one who can do anything about it. If he can raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons, what's your problem? You know, he, he can do anything. So they took the fear straight to him. And third, 
Rely on God's control. Rely on God's control. Let his power be seen through you in this. Mark 4, verse 39. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, be quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and the sea went completely calm. So Jesus stood up in the middle of a raging storm and said literally, sit down and shut up. And instantly, creation went quiet. That's some power. That's some real power. There were actually, if you thought about it, two miracles in that story. There was the miracle of the wind stopping, but you know, I've been in the sea and I've been in lakes and after a storm, the waves continue for a while to flow. But after the wind stops, the waves went smooth as glass. So Jesus spoke to both of them, the wind and the waves, sit down and shut up, and they became quiet. And the disciples had seen Jesus do one miracle after another. They, of all people, should have known how competent he was and capable to help them, you'd think. But boy, we forget when that crisis hits, where's your praise the Lord? (laughs) Where's your little hanky going, hallelujah? Now, you need to get it out and say the same thing. Yeah, you're aggravated, but you're not in doubt. You're not in fear. There was no reason to be afraid. So learn this lesson number three. God is in control. God is with me. God cares what I'm going through, and there's nothing beyond the control of God. Fear comes when we experience life and in life things that are beyond our control. I'm I'm doing it, brother, because I'm a controller. I want to fix every problem, right every wrong. I want to deal with it instantly. That's my nature. But then there are some things you can't control. I can't control the flow of gas. I can't control the direction of the hurricane. I can't, there's just something. I can't can't control every policy made in Washington. I can't control. I can control me. I can control how I respond. But I can't control everything. I just thought it's helpful for you to know that I think I'd like to. Did I I fit in with some of you? I wish I could. I wish I could make child raising easier, wouldn't it? If I could just control my kids or anybody else (laughs) or church people, (laughs) it'd be nice. But there's nothing beyond the control of God. And the good news is anything beyond my control is still under God's control. That's good news. I can't control everything that happens to myself, my family, my friends, the church, but God's in control. And that's a storm reliever. Rely on God's control. You talk about fear. Boy, last week people panicked. People thought we were going to have a catastrophe. I drove all day Saturday, went to the gym, ran errands. And, and I thought, what, what, where's the catastrophe? And everybody stayed home. Restaurants and businesses. We're down 50%. Uh, A large mega church, several in the city, everybody was off 50%. Can you imagine what that does financially? And all of it was fear. Fear. Media-driven fear. And that's exactly what's happening this weekend right now. Not real, but media-driven panic and fear. I refuse to live in that panic and fear. I will simply go out... Somebody's out siphoning gas out of your car right now in faith. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I told Cindy, I'll get two bicycles. We'll drive, we'll, we'll, we'll lose weight, get toned, and come to church. I'll get a bike. If Mormon missionaries can ride all over town on a bicycle, I reckon I can too. Might be a good time to buy an electric car. We have a few members in here that get to go hallelujah, praise the Lord, as they pass by the gas stations with all electric cars. Might not be a bad idea. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. So before the disciples got in the boat, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. That fact should settle it. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it to the day of Jesus, regardless of the circumstances that are going on. If I have to back up the sun 10 degrees, hold it still for Joshua, open the Red Sea, feed you with an unclean bird, whatever I have to do, I will do it in order to fulfill my promise to you. That's encouraging to me. And it will be to you if you ever get it in your heart and your spirit. Jesus didn't tell them it'd be an easy trip. He didn't say they wouldn't get wet. He didn't say they wouldn't have an attack or be scared. He just says, we are going to the other side. And they did. You're going to make it. We're going to make it. And notice what Jesus said to the disciples in verse 26. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Now that tells me two things. The root of their problem was fear. And the solution to their problem is faith. The greatest threat to the lives of the disciples was not the storm. It was their unbelief. The secret of victory over fear is faith. Faith. It's not the amount of faith you have either. Everybody's got faith. You had faith, you wouldn't run out of gas coming over here. You had faith when you get on 1604. You have faith that your wife didn't poison your breakfast or your food. You have faith. You use faith every day. The dumbest thing is nobody has faith. God gave every man, it says, a measure of faith. And even if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a, a pepper granule, you can move a mountain. So you don't have to have super, super, super faith. You just have to have that little bit of faith in a great big God. That's the issue. See, everybody's got faith, but you don't have to have a bunch. You can put a little faith in a big God and get big results. Now, I'm often asked, can I believe God for too much? Can, can, can I have too much faith? Well, never in the Bible does Jesus rebuke anybody anywhere for too much faith. The problem was always, always Old Testament, New Testament, lack of faith, fear, doubt and unbelief I, I, I'd like to be able to ask him for too much I'd like to be the first church that believed him for too much I'd like for God to show up and say hey hold it whoa who you think I am God but it never happened it just never happened never did Jesus say to anybody he healed thy skepticism hath made thee whole did he no was confidence and faith. So you'll, you've never believed God until you've done something that can't be attempted in the power of your flesh. And it's sad, a lot of Christians live lives that require no faith at all. They don't risk anything. They don't attempt anything. Some of them are good at criticizing others who do, but the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's interesting, huh? 
Now, if Jesus knew, which he obviously did, that the storm was coming, why did he let the boys go through it? He wanted them to learn a lesson, and it's the same lesson everybody in this room, everybody watching on live stream has to learn. And you'll never learn it from a preacher, teacher, CD, or a book. You can only learn this baby by experience. And the lesson is that Jesus can be trusted in the storms of life. And the only way you're ever going to prove that true is to go through them. That's it. If you've never had a problem, you'd never know God could solve them. If you never had a financial difficulty, you'd never know he could resolve it. If you'd never had a, a, a terrible sickness, you could never know him as healer. You couldn't know it. You'd, intellectually, you'd say, I read it, but you don't know it. And so somebody that you need to be close to who's been through years of storms and adversity will breed confidence in you when you have little experience. So your faith isn't going to get stronger until you start off with a small weight, another weight, another weight. David said, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. I'll take down this giant. You see how he staged the progression? So you get more confidence, more boldness, more absolute faith that God's going to come through after you've got a little history with God. If you're a brand new believer, you don't have any history. So you're going to have to live through it and then draw close to those who have already been to the rodeo and survived it and, they, and, and draw strength and encourage them from them. There's just no quick way to get that. You just have to go through it. And then when somebody shows up, bang, bang, bang. Well, I wish I had their kind of faith. Well, then go through the hell they went through to get there. Yeah, that's it. Well, I, I don't know any other way to do it. And so uh, he responds to the storms in faith. And when we do, we see God's power most visibly. And we sense his presence most intensely. The disciples really had no reason at all to fear. And they had what every one of us has It's a believer in Jesus. They had the presence of Christ. They had the power of Christ. They had the promises of Christ. And when my emotion leaves me or when uh, his promise will hold me, I just stand on his promise. When I can't see or feel or understand, I stand on his promise. That's, the That's how the storms come. But the, he that hears my word and obeys it is like a it's like a house on a rock, and when the storms come, you get wet, you get shaken, but it doesn't fall, and you're not going to fall, see? So they had no reason to be afraid, neither do you. So what's rocking your boat this morning? Huh? What kind of storm is threatening you? Is it a strained relationship, a financial difficulty, a painful memory, a serious health crisis, maybe a secret storm, guilt, grief, anger, bitterness, jealousy, worry, or fear? Maybe you feel the circumstances of life are tossing you back and forth, and you feel like a little toy boat on a big ocean, and you're thinking, I'm going under. I don't think I'm going to make it. And if that's the way you feel, God wants you to know today that no matter how big the waves are, Jesus can rebuke it. Jesus walked on the water. He never met a wave he couldn't walk on. He never met death. He couldn't look at it and rebuke it. And he wanted you to know that when you meet one, he had already met it and mastered it. It's under his feet. It can't get over your head. So be confident about that. And he wants to calm the storm in your life. He wants to say, peace, be still. And only Jesus can calm that restlessness in your life right now. I don't have to have the answer. I just know who does. I don't know. I know enough history to know he'll bring me through. 
I don't know how. I can't see it, but I know he'll bring me through, be through. And so there's only one thing that can calm your storm, and that's Jesus. Or you can just buy $32 billion worth of medication. Notice the last verse. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of a man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? That's a good question because he's not just a man. He's the son of God. He's God incarnate in the flesh. He's God who came to earth in human form so we could know what God's like. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I can't relate to some invisible spirit. God knew that. So God invaded humanity as a human, spoke our language. Now we can listen to him, hear his words, watch him react to people, bad people, marginalized people, sick people, demonized people, religious people. And I can know exactly what God's like because he's God in the flesh. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If I wanted to relate to a roach, I'd have to become a roach. And I'd have to speak roach language to tell that dumb roach what I'm like. So God became a roach. He became a man to say, hey, quit getting all these weird ideas about me. If Jesus was likable and almost everybody in the country has a favorable view of Jesus, not the church, but of Jesus, not of Christians, but Jesus, that's God. That's God. And we need to act more like him than religion or church people, but like Jesus. He got dirty. He violated cultural taboos. He talked to prostitutes. He touched lepers. I've often wondered what would he do today to tear up the social media? My gosh, I bet he had upset everybody. He did then. I'm sure he would now. I don't know what he'd do, but I, I guarantee he'd scare you. Scare all of us. We'd have to make some major changes. I don't know what they are, but I'd be willing to make them. I thought if you're in it, I'm in it, whatever the cost. That's fine. So Jesus loved us, cared for us, healed us, wept over us. And so I can relate to a God in the flesh. But you've got to get him in your boat. You've got to get him in your life. You've got to have Jesus in your life to make it through the storms of life. One last word, storms are inevitable, unpredictable. They come without warning. They're impartial. No matter how good or bad you are, you're going to get them. But storms are temporary. They don't last. There are no eternal storms. Mark Twain and a friend walked outside one day in a rainstorm. The friend said, you think it'll stop? Mark Twain said, always does. Always does. That's true with any storm. You got to go through it, but it won't last forever. You know, uh, morning's coming. Maybe dark right now, but morning and the sun will shine again. Let's bow our heads. Because some of you are in a major storm right now. And God's word to you is the sun will shine again. There is hope. God is with you. Is Jesus Christ in your boat, in your life? Are you trying to sail through life by yourself? Why? God didn't make you to live your life independent of him. That's why Jesus came to earth, to make it possible to walk with God. Open your life up to him today. Say, Jesus, I'm in a storm, and I need your help to save me. And believe me, he does care. He's just waiting for the invitation to come into your life. I wonder if you're in a storm right now, I'd like to pray a prayer over you. 
If that's you and you're in a storm, just stand up. Nobody's going to bother you. I just want to pray over you. Just stand up. Come on. Everybody's got something going on somewhere. And if that's you right now, then come on. Let me just pray. God bless you. God bless you, everyone. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I cry out to you, our storm quencher. I pray for hope and encouragement to come to my brothers and sisters now. May they see you as the answer and the solution to the storm they're facing. May they be confident that you saw it before it happened and that you're more than able to see them through it. Make them, help them to call on you in the day of trouble and you promised to deliver them. Help them to realize this will come to an end. May they be confident in you and confident in your promises, Lord. May they be strengthened in their inner man. May they not waver or be in doubt. We rebuke fear. We rebuke panic. We rebuke terror. I rebuke doubt and unbelief, particularly through other people that's causing them to waver. Keep them strong on the rock of Jesus and on your promises, your word. Lord, let your peace that passes all understanding keep their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. I bless them with your peace now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.